What is going on, everybody? Welcome to a new episode of Orange Slices. We are your hosts, Heath Pierce, Mark McKenzie. It's been a bit since we've had a chance to connect. It's not the usual reasons, which is just like trying to deal with 15 gazillion time zones, but instead uh, something else. But we'll talk about that here in the intro. Mark, how you doing, man? No, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm, I'm glad to be back. You know, we bring up, you know, last week I was I was down bad, man. I was ill. I got hit yeah. with something. It was a truck, you know, and got caught up on my couch. Full, like a full-blown semi hit you. Yeah, full on. Full on, man. I, I didn't expect it, you know, and yeah, next thing you know, it went from one day to two days to five days, six days, you know, and I was, I was out, of the, out of the team. So, yeah. Health is wealth, man. Glad to be back, you know. Glad to be back on the pitch and, and glad to be back on the pod with you, catching up with you, man. How, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I can't complain. I don't think I've been traveling. Nope, definitely not been traveling. Just been around <laughs> with the family here. Weather's getting better. Um, getting back into surfing again, so that's kind of okay. nice. You know, connecting with nature out in the water. It was freezing cold this morning. But yeah, man, can't complain. Life is good and it's good to see you bounce back. You know, we were talking about this that you you got you got sick, and I had the same sort of thing, which was weird because I never really got colds yeah. around the U.S. But when every year that I was in Europe, I got one when I was in Denmark, when I was in Germany, and then decade later when I was in Sweden, just one week a year, I would just get absolutely pounded by a cold, where like I was like out, like out, like I've never been out every single year, once once a year, like. Whatever, and I so I I know what you're going through. Where you just like you got nothing to give. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm sitting on my couch. I'm sweating and I'm freezing. I'm like, when is this gonna pass? When can I get back on the field? You know, I'm thinking because usually what happens is I'll just get a cold. You know, I'll be out for a couple of days and then you're back on the field. You know, but it, it just kept lingering and lingering. The fever wouldn't go away, and I couldn't get back on the field till the fever was away. So it's like. Yeah, and and plus you don't got mama's home cooked meals or anything like that to to kind of help you know deal with this. So yeah, man, it was a uh, yeah quite quite a, quite a situation, quite a week. Well, you know, weirdly, when I would get sick, they would take me to especially in Germany because it's privatized medicine. They would just do all this stuff to me at the doctor's office, and then I get this <laughs> fat bill, and you get reimbursed for it later on. Right. Nice to be like looking back now, I'd be like, yeah, these guys are definitely playing like a nice little like game of like. <laughs> You know what you need? Acupuncture in your face, dog. And so they sit me down. They give me these stacks of like different medicines. They'd like have me on like an IV drip and all this stuff. And then the bill would come and I'd be like, oh, these guys are doing all right. Huh? Uh-huh. Living and dying by that yearly yearly cold that, that uh, you get with that privatized medicine where you get reimbursed for everything. But um, Mark, we got, a, we got a big game tonight. Mexico versus U.S. at the Azteca. I've been saying this for a while now that Mexico is more vulnerable than they've been in a long time. We're also talking about the time of year. The time of kickoff at Azteca is not the same as usual. And it's not full capacity. So we going to take care of business in this one or what? Listen, I got faith in my boys. I got, I got faith in my boys. You know, we're going to go out there and we're going we're gonna to leave it all on the field. You know, enough of the talking, the chitter chatter. You know, we all, everybody likes to get into that. Oh, you know, well, what happened in the last game and what happened in the nation? Nah, forget all that. It's about getting three points in Azteca. And going back to the states, and then you know handling handling other business, but but the focus needs to solely be on three points, and my dogs can do it. My dogs can do it. I talked to Anibal Godoy from from Panama uh, recently, and we were talking about them, and they're like, "Man, we're one game at a time. We're one game at a time." For us U.S. fans, though, we've been like Panama game, Panama game. That's the one, right? And they're like, "Well, we mm-hmm. have Honduras first. We beat Honduras, and we're now a point away, potentially a point away right. from the U.S. or Mexico." 
So do you think it's all about this first game? Tyler Adams talked about it. I, I approach every game the same way. Like I'm not worried about yellow cards. It's all about this game, this this game right now. Or do you think that there is a little bit of like similar to all other camps where you have these goals of like what you get out of it, a little bit of thinking about that second game as well? Is it all about this one first and then we move on to the second one? I think it's it's a it's a difficult thing to kind of kind of balance sometimes because in your head as a player, right? You think of all the scenarios, you think of all the situations, right? You want to figure out how you can get the job done, you know, how do you qualify for a World Cup? That is the ultimate objective, right? So you think about, all right, well, we have Mexico first, we have Panama second, we have Costa Rica. Okay, so, but what we always harp on in camp, and anytime we get into it, is focusing on the first match and starting the window out the right way. You know, you focus on one game at a time. And, and the moment you start thinking too far in advance, you kind of throw yourself off. You start losing focus a little bit. So I think no no other focus needs to be on any other game except the Mexico match, right? If you start and you set the tone for the window with that game, then I think it sets us up in the right way, you know, to move forward in the window um, and also we move towards our goal. But we can't overlook this game. We can't think about, oh, well, we're going back home, you know, to play Panama and it's great, you know, don't get me wrong, playing in front of American fans and in on home soil, X, Y, and Z. But at the at this moment, it doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is Thursday night against Mexico, well, Friday morning for me, yeah, against Mexico. But yeah, I think that that's all that needs to be that's all that needs to be said. I like that. Well, we've got a great guest this week, Jim Curtin, your your first ever MLS coach, a player that I when he was a player before he was a coach that I used to watch during his Chicago Fire era. Another ex Chivas USA guy too, which is legendary. Which, which I just like. There's, it's like a community. Jesse Marsh also, you, and Bob Bradley. You, you get into it and you just realize how big that community was of just players coming through Chivas USA, like myself, uh, which was great. But man, what an awesome, awesome guy and just an uh, an honest kind of straight shooter of a person. Yeah, seeing how how, how Coach Curtin's kind of evolved over time. You know, from my time in the academy with the long curly red hair to now this. This, this, this wavy guy wearing Jordans on yeah. the sideline, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, it's, it's cool, you know, and, and being able to catch up with him, you know, I've been talking to him in a little bit, but yeah, it, it, it was a, it was great to, to kind of, to hear from him and, and to kind of rekindle things, you know, and hear about his past as well. And yeah, I think this is a really great conversation. So I don't want to spoil it for, for all of you that are listening. So we'll just get straight into it. So here's our conversation with Jim Curtin. Let's welcome in our next guest, my first professional coach in the MLS. Uh, he also led us to the top of the standings in 2020 and helped lead us to then the Supporter Shield and also happened to win Coach of the Year. Uh, he's entering his ninth season now at the helm of the Union and also they're my pick for the MLS Cup 2022. Come on, what can I say? But it's my guy, my coach, Jim Curtin. What's going on, coach? How you doing? Thanks for having me, Mark. You made me sound good there. And hello, Heath, as well. <laughs> hello. H- has it been a while since the two of you talked? Have you guys kept in touch at all? Um, you know, I, 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 we, while we were getting ready to start the show, your, your phone was going off a lot, Jimmy. So, uh, you know, I'm, assur- I'm assuming you're a busy guy. Do you still have time for Mark or no? Of course. Mark's one of my favorites, man. Mark was uh, seen Mark since he was a young player coming from Delaware. For Heath, as a, as a Californian, that's like when there's a good player from like New Mexico. So just so you're, you're aware of that. Just kidding. Delaware has great players. But Mark was one that came in early. And, you know, I watched grow through the club and, and an incredible person on and off the field. And uh, 
yeah, so proud of him and everything he's doing over in Europe. He's getting embarrassed when I talk about him, but that's yeah, okay. I know you're making me blush. You know, people can't <laughs> see, man. You're, you're gassing me up. <laughs> no, that is a great it's reference, it's by the way, the Delaware yeah. shout. <laughs> yeah, it's small. It's small. I think there's like it was myself. It was Khalil Medcar. It was Anthony yeah. Fontana. The Justin Bajic, but that was that was back in the academy. Yeah, aside still from great, that, I think great was, players. They're still great yeah. players for sure. It's just still. a smaller state. That's all. That's yeah, all. Exactly. Is. Exactly. <laughs> you know. Yeah, Alaska's got players now. You know what I mean? Every but I, it's funny because Mark, you probably didn't have to go through this, but I'm 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 sure uh, Jim did with like ODP back in the day and the reference there of like Delaware versus like you always had one guy who made like the regional pool from like a really small state. And like, I still remember the names of all the guys from, the, I don't remember anybody from like Cal North, Cal South, but I remember all the ones that were in like random states. Cause you're like, Oh, they play, they play soccer there. That's crazy. It is true. It's true with the, uh, your reference. And, and again, Mark's so young, uh, he won't get that reference Heath, but you know, back in the, in the day when you made the state team, that was like the ultimate honor. And you got to wear like the state team jacket. That was, you made it, you know, that was a big deal. So we had Eastern Pennsylvania, Western PA, and there was occasionally a kid from like Kirkwood, Delaware that would, would pop up every once in a while. And, and they definitely had some players, but it was, uh, like you said, you remembered those names a little bit more just because there wasn't as many kids coming from there. Well, to be honest, I was on like the tail end of ODP. I was like the tail end of okay. ODP. I think, I think it was probably like two years, two or three years after I joined the, the academy. I think that's kind of when it started to dissipate. And then, yeah, from there. But uh, yeah, I got a few few years with ODP. Yeah, a long time ago. And to see the things he's doing now, it, it, it puts a smile on my face. I'm really happy. Great person, great family. Well, on that, like, let's uh, we'll, we'll flip what, what our original run of show was a little bit, because I think this is a, a good kind of segue into this. You know, you were, you, were, you were drafted 2001 and you had insane players on your team, right? From Demarcus Beasley to Carlos Bocanegra to a number of the legends that played in that team as well. Has the quality of the player increased, do you think? I mean, it's hard to compare your playing time to, to new playing time, but has the quality of the player, has it gotten younger? Or what's, what's different when you see a player like Mark now being in a professional environment from like 12 years old up to, to becoming a first team player? Yeah, Heath, that's a great point. It's, it's certainly different, you know, and, and I think you touched on it. Like when you went in and with that group in Chicago, the, the speed of play was like overwhelming for me as a, as a rookie uh, when I jumped into that group. And it's, you know, you go through the names. It's Risto Stoichkov, Peter Novak, you know, Josh Wolf's out there, Zach Thornton as a goalkeeper, Ante Razov, Bocanegra, Beasley. Uh, I'm, I feel guilty. CJ Brown's there, you know, all guys that are coaching and have done big things in the league. I probably left off four or five. Chris Armas, Jesse Marsh, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, so the, the pace was so fast. So I would still argue, and it's a great barroom argument. I, I'd still say at the very top end, it's certainly the, the top players are the top players, you know, and they, they stood out and will always be elite. Where I think the league has changed so much is just the depth. You know, there's, there's so many more teams. Um, there's so many more good players that are coming off the bench. Uh, the way guys are compensated now is different too. So it's just a... I think overall the, the depth and quality is, has improved. Um, at one point when I was in the league, there was only 10 teams left and there was only 16 field players on a team. So you're talking about 160 jobs. You know, I was, I can put my hand up and say, I was, I go through the picture and the roster. I was the worst player on that Chicago team. And I barely made it with Bob Bradley by the skin of my teeth. So there was really good players at the top end. There just wasn't as many of us, you know what I mean? So when you play week to week, you're going, man, there's no real let off here. Everybody's really, really good. Whereas now when you get up to 27 teams, naturally at the bottom of the roster, when you have some younger kids that are still developing, 
Um, if you threw some of them into those training sessions, it would be hard for them. And I think that's normal and natural, but it's just a, it's such a different league. It's grown so much. It's improved in a way that I never thought it would in my lifetime. Um, but look, you can still throw, you could have thrown Mark in there and he would have, it would have took like a week and he would have rose to the level. Brendan Aronson, same way, you know, good players figure it out. Um, but I, I still will stand up for the old guys, man. There was some, some good players back in the day and, you know, week to week, there's, there's, there's guys that weren't household names and people forget about, but they were incredible national team players that were in the league. You know, guys like Joe Max Moore, Eddie Lewis, that are almost like forgotten, amazing national team players that I try every chance I get to teach the young guys about, but uh, sometimes they like to listen and hear it and sometimes they don't, but there was good players back then. That's for sure. Hey Mark, I'm going to give him credit for this one because I remember going in and I, <laughs> I, I went pro like a, uh, probably a year later. I can't remember what assistant coach it was. And there was a possession game and I was able to train with the team just because I was kind of in between camps and I had to take a semester off of school. And he kept saying, get closer to like the line. We were playing a small possession game. And I kept <laughs> saying like, I can't get this close to the line because it's hap- everything's happening too fast around me. I need to take like two steps back from this line to be able to like see the angles and the passes. And I just remember little things like Chris Armas just playing like 4v1 in like a little tiny box and like just moving the ball with the outside of both of his feet and just never losing the ball and just thinking like, oh yeah, I'm never going to get to this. Like this is ridiculous. Like I'm never going to reach that level. But having said that, like that group was a pretty special group. You you, you have to say, right? Right, uh, coach? Like in terms of the quality yeah, of the player, was, the experience, all of that was just it, that wasn't universal across the league at that point with what you guys had there. Yeah, I think I got lucky. So, again, you talk about in your career, you know, timing, luck, a little bit of you know, talent for sure. People recommending you, whatever it was. There wasn't a big draft or anything like that. So Manny Shellscheid, who was at Seton Hall, saw me play against Villanova, who's close with Bob Bradley. Manny put in a call to Bob. They drafted me pretty late and, and I got thrown in literally. I mean, I, I can admit I was I was just finishing up partying with my friends at Villanova like like too much. I'll say I got drafted, got a call in a finance class. It wasn't the nice ESPN, you're drafted thing, you know, and it was like, you can leave class right now and come try out with the union. It was literally Bob on the phone. God, I would have hated that call from Bob at that point. Exactly. Yeah. You're kind of not, not not all that much of like a happy reward of like, (laughs) you you haven't done anything yet, but you're more than welcome to come in. He wasn't pressuring me at all, but he was saying basically like, if you want to make the team, you got to come now. And I literally walked like, you know, moment of my life where I had to decide. I literally walked out of the class and, and went down there and I was hurting. Like I, I literally was out of shape and had been literally drinking and partying with my friends too much. And it's a hundred degrees down in Florida. The first training session I get thrown in, just like you described, Heath, my head was spinning. They put Bob, of course, puts me in with the best group in the possession. And I, I found Peter Novak so bad and so late because I was so tired that practice stopped. He's injured. They ended the the possession and I literally said to Jesse Marsh, and he tells the story all the time. I said, well, at least I can say I got to foul Peter Novak. And I thought I was done. <laughs> like, I thought that was it. Like, I hurt the best player. I couldn't keep up with the speed of things. Um, but, but over time, you get used to it. And you had, like you said, great people around you that, that wanted you to succeed. You know, you had a locker room of guys that challenged each other probably more during the training week than we did on the, the games were easy, you know, because the training was really intense. And to be fair, I didn't know it at the time, but it was like that was how I learned to to kind of look at the game differently and look at it like a coach because every guy in there, it was on a VHS, which is embarrassing, but it was stop, rewind, play, go back, look through the tape and and watch every game and break it down and argue and and discuss things. So I'm grateful for all those guys. Um, you know, I see them almost every weekend now. They're they're scattered throughout the league, but it was a 
a really cool group. And uh, thanks for bringing it up, Heath. It makes me feel like I can at least the players will be like, oh, he actually played soccer. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all I'm all about. I mean, that's literally the whole point of this uh, this podcast is for for me and and people that were before and around me to be able to tell the stories that are pretty ridiculous ones. So I'm going to go straight into this next question. Sorry, Mark, I'm going to hijack this, too. You've got to have from that era some sort of and maybe it wasn't CONCACAF related. A lot of times you try to get guys to tell a story about or or gals to tell a story about like CONCACAF or a hostile environment or something crazy. We'd love to hear that from you as well. Yeah. But just talk about even if there was a moment in the league, whether it was just like one of those early amateurish moments within within the league where it was a way of traveling or meals or something where you were just like, yeah. I mean, looking at the way it is now, right, in terms of like charter flights and all those things, is there any one memory you have of of like something just being like, what am I doing? For sure. I mean, look, the, the amount of stories I've said this before. A million times, if you just sent a mass email out to the whole gang of people that were in the league from put it put it two thousand I was two thousand and one, but even if you go back further and say, "Just give me your best story and make a book, it would be like a New York Times bestseller because some of the things that were happening the party and off the field aside you know, and what happened in Miami and Tampa Bay and then different things when I was a twenty one year old like just with the guys out it was it was fun, you know the Chicago fire team also like to play hard as well. I'll just say that. And we were, we frequented Cubs games before the cell phones and and had a good time. uh, Certainly every night on the field. I can remember we played in in champions league in Guatemala. I honestly didn't know what champions league was. And I was playing in the champions league. Like that's how it was back then. It was just like, here's a competition. We did really good last year. So I guess we go to Honduras or Guatemala. We went Honduras. We did well. Guatemala, we played a team. And I remember Peter Novak kind of we had, first of all, there's a moat around the field. So you, you had that. You had the barbed wire fences. You, you step out on the field. They, they surrounded our bus before we got off. And it was it was rocking in a way where it was like, what the heck is this? I'm 21 years old, just from Villanova. And I'm kind of like, I'm terrified. You could see it in my eyes, I'm sure. But when, when the game started and now you're on the field, um, I can remember Beasley was a little bit nervous. You know, I could see it in Bocanegra, who was young. He was my age at the time. Like, he was nervous, too. And and you could feel, like, a little bit of panic because it, it felt unsafe. And this is right before the game now. Our captains called us in, Peter, again. Mm-hmm. And he kind of looks into our eyes in his, in his, you know, Eastern Euro broken English. He kind of goes, well, guys, if we're going to... to die, we might as well win. And we all kind of looked at each other <laughs> like, yeah, I won't. I'm on board with that. All right, if we're going to die, we might as well win today. You know, it might as well happen. And it kind of like, it eased everybody a little bit. We calmed down a little bit. But that was like, it was every week you'd see something different. And um, I don't want to get anyone in trouble, but, you know, some guys smoke cigarettes in the, in, like the, in the showers afterwards at games. It was just a different time. Guys, guys had fun on and off the field for sure. And I'm sure they still do. But it was, uh, it was different, man. And I think maybe we had less to lose as well because – I'll be honest, for the first two years, I think I made the all-star team and I was still making 24 grand a year. So it was like, if this ends, it's like, whatever, I can get a job landscaping and I'd make just as much money. So there was like this, there was like this fearness, recklessness, like this might not be here anymore. Like when Miami and Tampa folded, it was, it was close. Like, I think people don't understand how Mr. Anschutz literally like kept the league and Mr. Hunt kept the league going um, at a time when it was it was fading. It was, it was, it was on life support. Don Garber obviously came in and, and changed things, but I think we had a little bit of a, a blase attitude about it because you're kids, number one, but you also weren't making a lot of money. So you could kind of, you could, you could take risks. And if it was over, it was over. 
it was just it was just a different time. I know it's hard to it's hard to feel that, but that's certainly how it was back then. <laughs> Mark, you'll Sorry never know what that's like. Man. <laughs> you'll never know what that's like, Mark. You know. Listen, it's different now. Okay, I, I live in this this yeah, it's the social media age now. All right, that's like the the risk it all, you know, if you, if you do something too reckless and then somebody catches you on camera or somebody catches you saying something, that's like the, the, the danger of, of, of my, my age, you know, of, of my, uh, what's it called? My generation of football. Right. So yeah, it's, it, it evolves it's over time. It's, and it's a good, it's a good different, to be honest. So you, I mean, you guys have a lot of things that I feel bad that you do have to worry about that stuff all the time. And you always have to be on with everything it's it's really not an easy thing especially for such you know young young talented kids with oh let's be honest a little bit a little bit of money in in their pocket too so it it's it's tricky it's really tricky and you guys don't have it easy for sure i'm not saying one's better or worse it's just different (laughs) exactly exactly it's just different you know (laughs) did you ever buy anything as a reward i mean obviously you talk about on 24 grand to start like the league was on the verge of folding and it was a different time but you know, you never know how long it's going to last, but you also want to like reward yourself along the way for little things, whether it's vacations or kind of gifts to yourself or family or anything like that. Was there anything that you said about uh, either as a as a coach or 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 as a player that you were like, you know, allowing yourself to also still have a little bit of fun and not just get caught in the vortex of like the next thing, the next thing? Yeah, of course. You know, look, I, rewarding myself like I didn't buy any nice watch or anything like that. Um, you know, but I do look back now and little little victories like saving up for for your first place with my then it was my my girlfriend, now my wife Jen, you know, who who took a risk and came out from college, you know. Little things like saving up and buying our first place in Chicago. Like that was that was a landmark. That was a big thing, you know. It was, I I got a Jeep Cherokee and that was a big thing, you know, the stuff that you guys will laugh at now. Was it the grand, was it the grand Cherokee or it was a grand one, man. It was grand. It was was used too, (laughs) but it was was mine. You know what I mean? So those, those things are are, are awesome. They're still, they probably still feel the same. You know what I mean? And and it's uh, when you're getting to do something that you love at the end of the day, that's the best part, right? You, you've succeeded in, I always wanted to be a pro athlete. You know, I chose chose soccer um, and, and it worked out. So like, so those little victories of, of feeling like you made it or feeling special. First, it's just making the team, you know, then it's maybe banking a little bit of money. Maybe it's making an all-star team or getting some accolade and you get a little bit of bonus money. But certainly big or small, those those little rewards, like you mentioned, are are certainly memorable during the career. But yeah, they're, they're, they're parts of your life that you don't forget. And again, it doesn't matter if it's $10 million or if it's, Ten thousand uh, dollars. It, it still means a lot. Well, listen. You brought up watches because Heath is a big watch connoisseur. He's a watch guy. Not so, true. Not yeah, true. he's a big watch guy. What's his he's, biggest one. What's his? What's his I, I got a, a Apple. You see? No, 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 no. You see? <laughs> no, I got. A, I got. A, I got an Apple Watch. I got an Apple Watch. That's it. Now you know. I got kids. It's different. You know. It's different when you can be a little more reckless. Ah, here and, he goes. Uh, justify things. But that was literally the point. Mark is like. You know, I we had talked about like you were saving money for investments mm-hmm. and these types of things, but also making sure that there are certain points along the way that you uh, allow yourself to enjoy the moment that you're in and and the hard work and the accomplishments that you get. With it's not bad to have things once in a while, you know, uh, when you when you earn them, as opposed to now you have the ability to just because you're bored get online and start like just racking up whatever, you know. Uh, <laughs> so I think it's just cool to con- still connect 
goals to to or achievements to to, to things that you 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 want, whether possession wise, possession or I, otherwise. I agree, Heath, completely on Mark. I, I agree. I think I, I'm guilty of it. I think we're all guilty of it because when we get going and we hit these benchmarks, sometimes we set them and we don't don't take a second to celebrate yeah. them at all. We just kind of go, okay, well, what's next? I got to go even more. I got to go higher, and we're kind of. It's probably what made us pro athletes, but it's also sometimes bad. You know what I mean? Where you don't step back and just say, you know what, this is this is good. I should I should go out to dinner with my family and and we should celebrate this and like, not selfishly say it's about me and my accomplishment, but I think it's good to step back occasionally. And I don't do it enough. I'm certainly guilty of it of just celebrating those uh, little achievements and not always wanting more and being a little maybe maybe too greedy. <laughs> hey, I, I will say this though, Mark. In all honesty. I'm living off the success of both of you guys because Jim, you you trained Mark. Mark got sold. We launched four soccer ventures. Uh, you know what I mean? So you just keep on doing your thing. And if you don't have time to stop and enjoy it, I'll continue to enjoy it because you know we've got a, a happy Graham family and and four soccer ventures is built on the back of everything that you guys did at YSC Academy and YSC, all jokes aside. So I appreciate everything that you guys are doing and the inspiration of what we're trying to do was to get sort of out of the Eastern seaboard and the regionalization of what you guys are up to and see what we could do on a national scale. So if you guys aren't going to stop and enjoy uh, I'm going to stop. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take, I'm going to reap the benefits of that. Caps, so don't be all humble over there. You got probably 40 caps or so under your belt, right? How many? Heath, how many uh, caps you got? Let him know. 35. You know, how yeah. many? 35. See, that's, that's 35 more than me. So you're doing well. <laughs> Either way, we got, we, we, we launched, we launched, we launched our business on the back of uh, what you guys have been up to. So I appreciate that. I think that it's right to enjoy. And that's what I told a lot of the young guys. I was like, look, man, you guys work hard. You know, you, you go in with a, with, with a, a mentality of, of grinding each day and, and working for what's yours, right? It's not going to be given to you on a silver platter. But at the same time, you know, I said at the end of my first year, I wanted to, 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 to get myself something, you know, that I would remember, you know, like, oh, it's my first year. I did well and I was proud of myself. So I got myself a watch and I was like, that watch is going to stay with me forever because I remember it and, and the time, you know, that I had uh, in my first year. And I was like, each year now I need to figure out a way. And, and now I'm kind of moving past this this point of, of material things, but more experiences, you know, and now I'm here in Europe and having the opportunity to travel and have my family come over and see things that they probably would have never seen in their lives. Right. You know, I think about my dad coming from Jamaica with little to nothing in his pockets with his mom and now him having the opportunity to come over to see Europe and to travel and to uh, be able to, to take my family on vacation. You know, that's my next goal. So I think those experiences and those things that you'll remember for, for your, you know, for a lifetime, you know, I think those are the things that I'm, I'm working towards now, but are still just as memorable because you work hard for, for, for what you earn. Right. I think it's, it's only right, you know, in life to, to enjoy a little bit because you only get one life to live. And I'm not saying go crazy and, and be yeah, stupid, but you know, still, still hey, you don't have bit. to, you don't have to tell Jim Curtin. I've seen that Prada jacket on the sideline. Hey, you know, listen, I know he's a sneaker collector. Dripping, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know he's a sneaker collector. Let's talk about these the sneakers because we, we actually asked that question to Paxton and he said if he got to his goal of a certain amount of goals this year, he's going to buy himself some Balenciaga shoes. Oh, wow. Uh, and and you're, a sneak, you're a sneaker guy. So kind of what, where, where did you, how did you get into the sneaker game? Because you're a, you're, you're a very tall ginger fella <laughs> that sometimes it's easy to just be like, you know, this guy's not a sneaker guy, but that's not the case with you. You know, you, you, you're, you're deep in the sneaker game. Kind of where did it start and kind of yeah. what's your process in, in that world? So it's been a problem I've had for, for the playing problem. days. Yeah, starting <laughs> yeah. The playing days. Um, I signed with Adidas early on. This was at a time in the league where 
I think Adidas didn't know that uh, they shouldn't give everybody shoe contracts, but they were given everybody <laughs> shoe contracts in the early days. And um, yeah, they took care of me really, really well. I had unlimited sh- sneakers and unlimited uh, cleats. So I would get a new pair of cleats for every game. I like to wear them tight. They would just send them. It was great. And the sneaker collection is absurd. My wife is fed up with me because every closet, every everywhere, every house has like just... a Stacks and stacks, um, some that I'll never obviously wear. They're terrible, but I, I just have a ton of sh- ton of sneakers. And then recently switched to, to Nike. Um, thank you, Devin Barkley. Shout out to Devin. <laughs> um, he takes care of me now. And um, yeah, I, I've just always loved sneakers. I, I've always really had a, a love for Jordans. I'm not saying I was poor growing up or implying anything like that, but it was they were a reach when they were like the first $140 shoe. It was like, mm-hmm. you're not getting those. So, so now when I can get the Jordan ones anytime I want, I'm, I'm very grateful and, and lucky. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm obsessed with sneakers. I like the classics, the Jordan ones, a lot of dunks. Um, so yeah, anything that, that, uh, Devin sends, I'm very grateful for. And, uh, I like to keep, uh, a, it's kind of one little thing that maybe make, lets me connect still because I'm old and I'm a dork and I'm a dad now to the guys in the locker room. It, it's harder to be cool and fit in. So when they do at least see that I can I can pick out a pair of sneakers, they kind of I think I think they respect that and like that. So it's a good way to connect with the guys. Um, a lot of them are into sneakers as well, and we'll compare and contrast, and we'll have our differences on on certain models. I don't like any of the older Jordans, anything past like a three or four. It looks like you're going out yeah. to play basketball and you kind of yeah. can't wear those. Yeah, you don't me. need a basketball shoe to play basketball. You know, they need <laughs> yeah, to look exactly. like a shoe that's not made for basketball. That's the point. <laughs> exactly. So, um, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a way to connect with the players and, and make me hang on to um, what little bit of cool fibers I still have left in my uh, my body. <laughs> hey, I, I'm Mark. I love the way he's justifying this. It helps to his wife that like it helps me connect with the players. You know, I got to keep I got to keep. <laughs> You know, yeah. if I lose this, I lose that connection point. All 4,000 of these shoes. Yeah, I certainly have a, too much of a sneaker obsession for sure. <laughs> game recognizing game. That's all I got to say. All right. Appreciate but it. again, the sneaker industry is, is, it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous game. It's a slippery slope. All right. So if it's, you are looking to get into it, good luck. It's <laughs> outrageous. Like right up the street, there's five or six great sneaker shops. Uh-huh. There's kids outside overnight waiting for, you know, the next drop and the next release. It's it's outrageous, whether it's lapstone and hammer, suplex, wherever it is. It's it's nuts. Kids are waiting for overnight to get sneakers. I'm not that guy. Um, I can't claim to be. And I, I, I'm like Mark. I'm not going to buy the the aftermarket. Like it, it gets outrageous. So if they're free, they're for but, me. <laughs> hey, now now I think it's even worse because the bots. You know, kids are online and they got bots waiting in line, and then they order like 10, 12 pair, and then they resell. So. Yeah. People are making a living off of it, though. It's crazy. It's so competitive. Well, one of the weird things that I, I... Oh, not weird, but interesting things that I found out about sort of the where they're going in the NFT space is just for retailers to be able to have mm-hmm. that consistent tracking of a product where every time it gets resold in that resale market, right? Because it's like... It's pushing on probably 50% of the market now is the resale market of like Nike sneakers or another like kind yeah. of sneaker, like kind of the hype hype world that like in, in, that, in that digital space and who knows where it's going to go. They they continue to hold like a piece and a portion of ownership mm-hmm. as it continues like whatever that art or whatever it is gets sold on it goes back to the to the retailer and I know that's a big thing for for brands being able to like sort of have a have a longer part because like you you sell it because you want to give it to people and all they're doing now is like a few things that I've tried to collect recently are just 
You're just competing with people that are going to flip it. Let's shift the conversation back to the, to, the, to the union. You obviously came in to work in the academy system. We talk about YSC a lot, obviously, uh, because of Mark and, and guests that we have on. What was it like then? And what has the journey been like now for you kind of as, as a coach, seeing a, a different model being built than what the league was, was on and almost paving the way for, for a lot of different clubs to just present something uh, present something different than than what had been sort of the the, the status quo for for running a, a football club in, in MLS. Yeah, look, um, when I finished up playing, you know, at 30 years old, I, I wound up, you know, wanting to get into coaching. And everywhere I went in the Philly area, um, this name kept coming back in, in Richie Graham, Richie Graham. And, he, and he's involved in youth development with the union and you got to meet him. And, and I wound up meeting Richie very fortunately, uh, and, and before YSC, was, it was just a kind of a, a dream in his mind. Um, you know, we were doing lots of traveling around and, and coaching young kids and, and kind of growing the game. Um, and the, he had this vision to, to build a facility up, up in the King of Prussia area uh, to eventually build a school, which is the ultimate thing that separates the Union's Academy from all the other academies in, in the, the country. We can talk about tactics and soccer and technical training and great coaching. All that is is fantastic, and and we're definitely at the top. But uh, the thing that makes us different is is our school and, and the way that uh, Nuha works and and what she does for the kids and the, the teachers there. Every parent knows that their kids are in real good hands, even if they don't make it as a Philadelphia Union you know starter in Subaru Park. They're going to be set up for life because it's such a great education. So that's our one differentiator. Um, but as it was growing, you could just you could feel you were part of something special. Uh, Ian Monroe, who, who Mark will tell you, uh, was a, a great mentor of mine, um, taught me the ropes uh, as a coach. And we've kind of grown now uh, into a club that maybe did it a little more unique. He didn't do it by buying Zlatan or David Beckham or just going out to sell jerseys. Um, we really, truly wanted to build something rather than buy something. And, and certainly there's a huge investment that went into our youth development. Um, but at the same time, we did it differently than other teams. So it took a little bit longer. Um, and now you're seeing the benefits. There's a guy sitting next to you, Heath. That's uh, one of the, the first to step over and, and, and do it in Europe. Yeah, he's and paying my wages. He's paying my wages. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> and he's kind of, he's, not to talk, to talk about you, Mark, like you're a piece of meat because you're not. You're a great person. But also he's proof of concept. You know what I mean? Like he's the first yeah. guy that we sold along with Brendan where you go, whoa, wait a minute. If, if we can continue to do a couple of these every once in a while, it, it, it turns out some, some real dollars and it's a great business model. And also, don't forget, we're going to win trophies along the way. I still think that needs to be said. Um, we're still competing on the field at the highest level. If, if we're going out and losing every game, nobody's watching our young players play. You know what I mean? So I, th I think that winning piece is still a huge piece of our success. Um, but our three pillars, you've heard it um, probably a million times out of my mouth during interviews. But we want to build from within. That means players and coaches. We want to develop players and coaches uh, along the way. We want to develop our scouts, our sports performance. We really want to develop from within. That's number one. Number two is a co cohesive group of 11 guys together can be any group of individual talent. And then the third one is we have to be innovative about it. You know, you just talked about NFTs. Like we have to be on the cutting edge of what's new, what's coming next. Um, that might be in scouting. That might be in data. That might be in uh, analytics that might be how we video things. You know, we have to be creative in how we do that because, look, let's be honest, New York City is going to buy the best $15 million player. Atlanta is going to buy the best kid for 15 million bucks and we have to develop them uh, and bring them through our pathway. And it's it's proven to be uh, a good model. I've played a small, small role in it. I always say when people ask me, how does the U.S. win the, the World Cup? What, what's the quickest way we can do it? And my answer always is 
if there was 10 Richie Graham spread out through the country that really wanted to develop young players and really wanted to really wanted to win a World Cup and didn't just want to talk about it and did, did things through actions, you'd put 10, 10, I wish there were 10 Richie Grahams all over the country and it would happen really fast. But unfortunately, uh, a million different issues come up. It gets blocked. It gets a little bit, it, it doesn't, people aren't like him. You know what I mean? People aren't like the Graham family where they're, they're very philanthropic. They want um, just genuinely for people to improve and, and reach their full potential, um, their special family. And at the end of the day, I could talk about a million things, but uh, I owe everything to, to that family. So uh, uh, that kind of is where it really can stop because they're special people. I like that. That's a good answer. Uh, Mark, I, I've got to follow up on this because we talked about it right when you were jumping, jumping on. Because I don't want to mislead people into thinking that player development is the only priority or it is for 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 partially for what you guys are trying to do and being competitive with that. But what is your perspective on the actual league getting to a point where some teams might want to spend tons of money or have more open budgets to be able to drive a little more national relevance? I guess I'm trying to avoid you getting stereotyped into this whole, we're just trying to like conserve money when it's got its own plan to be competitive and develop within versus other teams that might want to go out and spin. I mean, what's your take on, on, on other teams or if the league were to open that up more and have a couple massive clubs or a few clubs that want to actually push the envelope globally? I do think it would be interesting if you took the training wheels off and you said, you know what, LA team, New York team, go ahead, spend whatever you want. Union, go ahead, do it however you want. Maybe take the, uh, homegrown territories and disband those too. And like, let's have a real open market. I think competition brings out the best in people. I think accountability brings out the best in people and we'll do it our way and you can do it your way. And, you know, we'll see, you know, and I think that that could be healthy too. I think it'd be a really cool thing for the league. Uh, would it be a little harder? For sure. Yeah. Somebody might be able to bring in uh, a version of, of uh, a Man City type of team. Uh, but guess what? In, in Philly, we kind of like the underdog and maybe we'll embrace trying to, to go against those guys and our fans will hate them even more, you know? So you get rivalries, you get different things that would come from that, but I don't think you should be afraid of, of the league growing and going forward and, and having those super type teams that you say, uh, and you can have a team like us that maybe we become the, the Ajax or the, the developmental team, the team that brings young players through and, and pushes them on. Ajax obviously has a, an amazing team as well, but you know, you know what I'm getting at that, that, that maybe, team that does it a little differently and, and sticks to a plan uh, and, and stays with that plan uh, through their years rather than just getting off course. Hey, and those development think, teams, by the way, can be very successful. You exactly. Know? You look at, I look actually at, won the champion, could have won the Champions League this year, you know? You know, and you look at, look at, look at Chavi now with a, a young group of, uh, with a young team, with, of course, with experienced players in there, but it hasn't just been about buying big players. You know, you go and you, you have that bond and you have that, that trust, that connection between players and coaches, you know, and that ultimately will, will get you through those uh, those stretches of time where, where things may not be going great, you know, and get you over the hump. And also, by the way, that Man City is a great example because look at the biggest level, Man City or Man City, they're beautiful. I watch Man City because I like watching them play. I'm not a fan of Man City, but I have yeah. an, a, an attraction to making sure that I, I see them play at the biggest level. Having said that, they're still chasing a Champions League, right? And And so there is some sort of validator to that of being able to have the best of both worlds where an IX can have a chance. And again, we're talking about Champions League, completely different yeah. landscape, but a club the size of, of Man City, knowing that there's other teams that are pushing them as well, that creates at least some excitement uh, that I think could be good for the league where you can shift the narrative again about teams where, uh, again, a, a Philadelphia Union, maybe they decide to go that route, maybe they don't. I would guess that they, they don't, but in terms of player development, you can be competitive. You can have a year where 
you're in line to to go after that trophy. It could be every year, but you do it with something a little bit different and it and it just changes the narrative. Whereas now I think every team goes into it. Maybe the coaches don't because they're internal and they go, I got no chance of a cup this year with this squad. But like generally the fan bases go in every year thinking like this could be our year. I don't know. Maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's not, but uh, it, it certainly makes it harder over time. And I'll get, I'll get in trouble for saying this and someone will take it out of context and run with it. But I do think it would be amazing if there was a super team in our league that you just said unlimited spend, go for it, build a team that's as good as Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, whoever you think the best team in the world is build that team. I think it would be positive for our TV ratings because that team would be vilified in our league. People would love to hate them. We need a team that everyone loves to hate and their fans can be the most loud and obnoxious and that's okay. You know, everybody's going to take a shot at them. And and I hope they do someday compete. You know, a a team in our league can compete with the, the highest, the highest level teams in the world. I think that that would be a positive thing. If you step back and say, it's not just about Philadelphia. If you put your league hat on, what might be best for the league is having one of those teams. And it's okay um, that it, if maybe it's not us and, and we stick to what we do and we do it really, really well. We do it better than anybody. And we try and knock that team off. And, and we know win, lose or draw when they come to Subaru Park, it's going to be hard. I think that that would be still an interesting narrative. I think you'd still have um, all the cool things and it wouldn't be unfair just because they spend money, you know, more money. It doesn't matter. Uh, I think that it's it's sport, it's competition, it's, meant to be entertainment. And I think that if we all step back and look at things that way, I don't think it's necessarily the worst thing to let, let a couple teams, I, I, don't, I don't make the rules, so I'm not trying to be commissioner, but I don't think it would be the worst in terms of the TV ratings like you talk about, Heath. Um, it could be interesting for sure. I'm in trouble yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, no, and, 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 cut, you know, and cut, throw that up on the internet. Uh, don't don't throw up my question. Just make it seem no like context. it was a, No context. Uh, Jim, just I take know, man. Jim Curran just went on a rant. No one even asked him about it. He just started ranting, yeah, you know? Yeah. I'm going to be on Twitter. People are going to be killing me. Jim Curran's a pro-rel truther or whatever. The yeah. Yeah. We'll just say it was a deep fake, you know, uh, like, so, you know, it was somebody else said it and put your face on it and whatever. Um Hey, let's 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 while while you're here, and we don't want to keep you too much longer, but we got to have a little conversation about where Mark's at because him and I haven't had a catch up in a while. So would oh, love yeah. uh, to have you on for it. You know, obviously, Mark, you're keeping up with the union. It's a bit harder to watch all the gank matches. You're following the team along. You obviously know what's going on. But let's talk a little bit about you, Mark, and kind of where you're at. Things haven't gone as easy. I'm uh, not easy because because you work for everything. But you know, since you've been at Gank, you've had to go through quite a bit of of of, of changes, coaching changes, you know, uh, priorities in the team, dip in form of the club, whether you have your own dip in form now coming off of, of, of a sickness. Jimmy, do you, do you have anything that you like advice to give to Mark on, on where he's at in his career? And Mark, you talked about it a minute ago, saying like how you have to stop and enjoy it because it, it, you know, time flies through all this stuff. But is there anything, Jim, that you would say to, to, to Mark now at this point in his career, having worked with him, knowing that obviously wasn't called into this upcoming World Cup camp, has been a big part of this, this national team. A lot of the things that I went through as well uh, at tough moments. But is there anything that you would say if, if he was your player in your locker room or just as, as a colleague or friend? Yeah, look, we've, Mark and I have, have gone through this before. You know, the, the life of a defender, and we've got three defenders on here, so it's easy. You're always going to get beat at, at certain times in your career because mm-hmm. guess what? The, the game is set up for attackers to succeed. So again, you're going to have dips in form. You're going to have difficult times. You're going to have coaching changes. You're going to have things that go against you as a defender and, and in life. But how you respond to those is, is, is always uh, most important. Mark, for me, I mean, he's played with, with Jacob Glesnes, with Jack Elliott, with Mark. 
that I had the three, I had the luxury of the three best center backs in the league. And there was moments where bad decisions went against Mark and he didn't get mm-hmm. to start. There were moments where bad decisions went against Jack Elliott and maybe they were, I was wrong in, in them uh, just like I was wrong with Mark sometimes, but there's, those were the choices that were made to, to try to help the team. And now how you respond to those choices is, is ultimately the most important thing. You know, um, it's easy in this game to put your head down and I've seen careers end and guys take the wrong mindset and start being the guy who goes off in little twos and threes and talking in the corner about what's going against them and, and playing the victim. Mark's not that guy. I know that. Um, Mark also knows he's very responsible for why the U.S. is where they are right now in the qualifying too. You know what I mean? So you have to have that perspective on things. The life of a defender is is a brutal one because they only remember our down moments. And, and when we have our great games, no one talks about us. And that's kind of a victory. You know what I mean? So um, I think we all understand what 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 the game needs, what the next game is, is that the next game is always the most important game. Um, so, I mean, me and Mark have lived it together, you know, through the highs and the, and the, the difficult moments. But I think every time with Mark, uh, the best compliment I can give him is, after every bit of adversity, he's come out and raised his level to a, a whole new new barometer. He's gone higher and higher each time. So uh, I have no doubt that that's what's going to happen again. Uh, look, yeah, a decision goes against him and he doesn't get called into the national team. Right, wrong, or indifferent. I think it's wrong. It doesn't really matter what I think, though. And that's the reality of, of the game. Um, but I know he'll get right back in there uh, in, the, in the near future and, and be part of the World Cup team. And that's that's all he can do, and that's all he will do. Because I know the family he's from, I know the the people that he's around, and 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 he's a winner. So um, certain people in this game always win, and and Mark's one of those guys. So I have no no concern there, Heath, at all, for sure. Mark, for you, have you had a conversation with uh, also another great soundbite from Jim Curtin that we're going to chop up? Yeah, no, I appreciate too, that. Saying, I appreciate that. You know, before you go on, thank you. I'm bro. just going to yeah. add, Greg Berhalter was wrong on that one. Uh, you know, personally. Yeah. Sneaker guys, you know, like I, I get uh, uh, Mark, for, for you, you know, have you had any conversations with Greg or has there been any conversations with the guys or the staff? Won this camp because, you know, I go back to to me. I wasn't in the last camp that qualified for 2010. And I, I had, you know, had the most caps the year before and was part of the team going into it. And it was a big, big thing for me. And, and, and it was kind of heartbreaking because I knew that there was this culmination, right, of what could happen if you get the results. It, you know, for you mentally, it, did that play into it at all? Was there, was there, I mean, there's obviously disappointment. What were the conversations that you had and kind of where are you at mentally between the club situation, the national team and everything going on with you knowing that, you're far from home right now, right? You're alone. You're in Europe. You're going through it all. It's not as easy as it's sometimes made out to be where you just go out on the field and play. There's a lot of you know, personal elements that go into to, to being a footballer, especially when you're abroad by yourself. I'll start with the the club situation. You know, to be honest, the year hasn't been the year I was anticipating, right? You know, came off the first six months when I got here and ultimately was looking to really, really launch from there. Um, but that that didn't go, you know, as, as planned. So I think it's been an a year of adversity and a year of learning, you know, really about how do I respond to to those moments where, where things aren't going your way, you know, and the club hasn't been in the greatest form this year, you know, where we're fighting for playoff two right now and sitting in uh, eighth, you know, which is, is the polar opposite of where we were last year. We were fighting for the you know, top two last year and fighting for Champions League spots and, and, and whatnot. So, yeah, it's different, you know, and, and I was also playing in the playoff last year and trying to help us qualify for the, the Champions League spots. And and I think that now we're on the, the other side of it, myself included. Um, it's tough, 
didn't haven't played a lot of minutes, you know, in the last few weeks, you know, I got ill last week. So, so coming back from that and, and getting back in the team and then knowing that the implications of not playing, you know, ultimately will, will, will leak into national team opportunities, you know, and I think that is, is it, it's tough as well, but I think with each moment, you know, I've had to, to really adjust and, and, and grow from it um, and, and bounce back. You know, I think now we're in an important part of the year and, and I need to, to play minutes. Right. So the only thing I can do is, is focus on on my game, focus on the little details that I need to focus on or little details I need to, to adjust um, and, and yeah, watching film, taking those extra moments. And I, th- I know it's cliche. Everybody's like, oh, you know, taking 30 minutes after training and, and going out and working on, you know, diagonal passes, this, that, and the other. But I think in moments like this, for me, that's what, what helps. You know, that's what helps get me out of funks and, and little little uh, divots in, in form. Then, yeah, with the national team, yeah, not getting called in, it sucks, you know. And, and I had conversations with, with uh, the coaches, the national team, with Greg. And, and ultimately, I understand it. Look, we're now in a part, you know, of the year where we need to qualify and coming off of 2018, understanding that, look, it's not about, we're not going to have time to, to give guys a chance to play. We need to, to focus ultimately on, on getting points um, within each game, you know, and, and it starts with Mexico, uh, but you need to put out a team that has been playing regularly. So as, as much as it sucks to say, you know, I get the decision, you know, and I understand it. And we had Greg and I had a real conversation as to why I wasn't called then, you know, and, and the big reason was minutes. So, yeah, again, it's 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 disappointing, but at the same time, I understand it. And I know that the group is, is going to get the job done because that's what we have to do. You know, there's no other option. Right. So I just now have to focus on making sure I'm in the next camp, you know, going into going into the summer. Uh, and that's my goal. So, yeah, I can't get too caught up in in, in, in all the, the other fluff that, that kind of goes along with it because, yeah, it's not all sweet, you know, the game, as we all know. Um, so, yeah, it's been a year of learning, you know, as, as as I always say, there's ups and downs to it. But, yeah, didn't go as planned, but I'm, I'm still here. I'm still rocking, you know, I'm still loving the game. I'm still doing, you know, what I need to do to make sure I'm the best I can be um, and, and making sure that I, I continue to take my game to the next level, right? I'm not, I'm not saying it's like I'm done, you know, I'm 23. I just turned 23 in February. You know, I still have dreams of playing in Champions League finals and and, and lifting. Oh no, Mark! Game's getting younger, man. The game's <laughs> listen, getting younger. That listen, clock's ticking, man. You better, you know. <laughs> listen, I'm not. I'm, I'm far from done. So yeah, I still got ways to go. So this is a moment, you know, in in my career. So you know, looking at it, looking at it from that perspective has kind of helped me get over the the, the disappointments, you know, of, of, of periods of the the season. So yeah, look, man, I'm I'm good, man. <laughs> I like that. I like that answer. See, I, I had to ask all this, Jim, while you're here, because I gotta gotta get this guy vulnerable once in a while. You know what I mean? So when you're on you're on here and have a little more heart to heart with him. He doesn't he doesn't put his Yo, balls up with me. So I appreciate the it. The only the only time I've ever seen Mark rattled, and again, it's a, it speaks to his character, it speaks to how well he handled himself. He's done a million things off the field that I didn't I wouldn't even dream of until even now at 40 years old, I couldn't do what he does. But the only time I did see you rattled, Mark, and you might not remember this, but I certainly do. I was leaving practice once, Heath, and I opened the door. Mark's on his cell phone. <laughs> now I look down, and there's a man changing a tire in, the, in our parking lot at our club. And I, I go, yo, man, you need help? And he looks up, and it's Mr. McKenzie. And I'm going, yo, Mr. McKenzie, what are you doing down there? And he's like, uh, Mark called me. He got a flat tire. I, it's the only time I've ever been mad at Mark McKenzie in my life, I think. I said, you called your dad from work to come change your tire and you're on your cell phone right now? 
your dad's response actually was he goes yeah i can't help you on this one mark that's exactly what he said i can't help you on this one mark. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, right. listen what happened was because I, I was mad at you <laughs> listen all right i will i own up to it all right i fess up to it yes i had a flat tire but what happened was i saw it as we were i think as we were going to the gym or something like that. And I was like, dang. Yeah. So I was like, all right, let me, let me just hit my family. Like, yo, I got a flat tire. I might be getting home a little bit later, you know? So, and then my pops called me. He was like, yeah, I'm on my way. And I was like, oh yeah. man. I called it at a bad time. I called yeah. And then, and then, with the, with the and, then, <laughs> and then my dad pulls up and then I'm sitting there, I'm walking out of the train. I'm like, Pops, you need help? He's like, nah, 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 it's cool, it's cool. You know, he's a Jamaisiardi, so he's like, oh, no, I can do this. Um, so from that point on, I have never, I've never contacted my folks about that stuff again. I'm like, you know what? That's good, that's so, good. Because, because, you know, you, everybody needs a moment. Everybody needs a moment where it's like, you get busted, you get caught, and you're like, dang. You know? Hey, but this is this is why I was saying, like, it's a struggle when you, when you move to Europe, Mark, because... You had you got three meals a day at home, you know, <laughs> maybe more. You were getting all meals all day at home. You know what I mean? Like you didn't have to set an alarm clock. Someone was waking you up in the morning. Being like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big you know, time. It's a big, big difference to go to Europe and, and be alone. Matt, let me tell you something, bro. There's been times where I'm like, do I just sleep off? Do I, do I eat dinner tonight or do I just sleep yeah. it off? Because I do not feel like cooking, you know? I'm like, no, 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 just, just, it's cool, it's cool, you can do it. You know, so I want something quick. I'll be like, yo, ma, I need a quick meal. You know, what, what's a recipe that, that I can make real quick? She's like, oh, just, you know, throw this in here with this. And I'm like, oh, okay, all right, cool. And I'm thinking it's going to taste like it did back home. But when I eat it, I'm like, ah, nah, this ain't it. So, yeah. That's crazy. Oh, that's great. Hey, well, listen, we appreciate you taking the time. We're going to give you some quick rapid fires before we send you on your way. Uh, oh, sir. These we'll are the let, ones we'll are let, dangerous usually. Yeah. No, these, these, one, these ones should be, they're pretty mild. They're pretty mild okay. depending on how you answer them, of course. Yeah, <laughs> of course. All right. First question. What is the first kit that you owned? Wimbledon. You all know Vinnie Jones and John Fashioner days. Wimbledon. Okay. FC back in England. That's an English team professional. You can look it up. Yeah, I'm <laughs> going to have to Wimbledon. Google that one. Back when Wimbledon was Wimbledon. And I, Wimbledon, yeah, and I had a I had a, ta- a Tottenham jersey too that I remember. Yeah. It was Gary Lineker. That was that was my guy back Gary then. Lineker, I'm man. old, buddy. No, no, no. You know, I still still stay in touch. You know, I still get the connections. You know, uh, your favorite U.S. men's national team player of all time. Oof. I talk about this guy probably too much. Look, I loved Claudio. Uh, the most talented for me, and it's kind of a forgotten guy for some reason, because he might have been the best we've ever had, is Johnny O'Brien. Just a guy that, talk about made the game look, look so simple, was captain of Ajax at a young age. Like, it just he almost somehow gets forgotten. You know what I mean? Um, I really liked his game. I, obviously, my buddies beat DeMarcus. I, I, I loved watching DeMarcus play. I loved playing with him. But in, in terms of just like when, when he was at his best, who you just loved watching Johnny O'Brien. If you go back and watch some of the, the old national team games, oh my God, different level. And sorry, lastly, as a center back, back it's Eddie Pope for me. Yeah. <laughs> That's my guy. Eddie I, I, was, Pope was, I was just having an argument amazing. the other day with somebody, I'm trying to think who it was. I think it was Jimmy Conrad that was like, no, you can't. Somebody was saying, is the new generation of defenders better than the old? And Jimmy was just like, no, you're going to, re- don't ever bring up anybody but Eddie Pope. If you're going to say the best, you go with Eddie Pope. 
You don't talk about any of this John Anthony Brooks stuff. No Mark McKenzie, Eddie Pope, baby. That's it. Yo, Eddie, Eddie, no matter who he covered, he was as fast as he was stronger than it was. He was incredible, man. I mean, you talk about humble, awesome guy too. He was, he was amazing. I, I got lucky. I played next to him in a, in an all-star game. And I swear it was the easiest game I've ever had in my life because he was just everywhere. Him and Robin Fraser on either side of me. I didn't, I didn't touch, I didn't have to do anything. It was incredible. I was spoiled, but yeah, Eddie's, Eddie's unreal, man. I know I named like three guys, but I, I take back everything. I'll go Eddie. <laughs> hey, Mark, this is how you know you're getting old when you got to name multiple players because you know, like, you know, you can't name one. How many generations have come past? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta stay close with your people, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. What was the last movie you watched in full? So like a rewatch or like in the theater stuff. Let's go with the. Uh, we can go with rewatch. Rewatch is easier. I watched the I watched the Departed too much. I watched Braveheart. Unlike the cliche boring guy, like I, I watch all the. I'd rather watch the same great movie than watch some of the new terrible stuff that's at. I'm out. I'm not into like Avengers twenty part twenty six and Batman part twenty five. I like the stuff that's like real stuff. I don't know. The OG, the OG, the OG. Yeah, the, the stuff that things that could have happened. Those types of movies more of my uh, my my genre. This, the, this is why this guy collects sneakers. He's right. He's got nothing in common <laughs> with young people. You know, That's the last thing. He's like, you know, well, let me take you back to some of the old when 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 cinematography meant something. You know, when, uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> yeah. The same four movies. They're like, everyone. yeah, three Good hours show. long. Who wants to watch uh, that? Young people uh, now, uh, you know? Yeah. Actually Listen, actually- man. Yeah. Listen, some of these movies are actually, all right, and I'll, I'll attest to this. Some of these movies are actually trash. I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't know how they put they put, they put put money into some of these movies. I'm like, ah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why. I wasted and two hundreds hours of millions. They go, here's $100 million. Make yeah. Batman part nine. Like, what, yeah. what, what are we doing? Come on. Your favorite restaurant when you were on the road? Ooh. See, I'm going to give a Philly restaurant Unfortunately, on the road, oh man, in the whole country, man, that's a good one. Could be a, could be a, could be a, like a, a watering hole or anywhere that you go. Like when you go back to a city, maybe Chicago, where you got to go back to yeah. something that you, you have. So, I know you're probably banned from most of those places in Chicago, but like yeah. <laughs> Chicago places have all changed names since since I've been there. So I'm, I'm gonna go with a bar in a, a sneaky bar in in uh, Manhattan Beach, Shellbacks. It's a, it's a good little dive in, in Manhattan Beach. That's a good bar. That's not a good restaurant, but that's a good mm-hmm. bar to hang at. And Barnacles in Hermosa Beach, which was also like a, when you go in there, you, you feel like you're walking in, uh, in a, you're walking into like a sublime video. It's like the most California cliche place, but it, it has uh, it has soul to it. You know what I mean? You walk in and you're like, all right, this is this place embodies California, Southern California. I liked, I liked those two places. Restaurants though, man, I don't, this is, this proves to you guys that I don't go out anymore at all on the road. Like I haven't been to trying to think of the last good restaurant on the road I've been to. Sorry, lame answer. In Philly, it's Vernick. Vernick's my favorite spot in Philly. So that's where I like to go here. And there's a sushi place across the street, Royal Ezekiah, but it's it's right across the street. That's just convenience. As you get older, yeah. Mark, you, you just don't get out. <laughs> I, I I'll, I'll tell you this: uh, uh, Richie Graham's been to both of those Manhattan Beach um, bars. Believe it or not, okay. you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> we'll have to go uh, grab it here. <laughs> uh, next question is pineapple on pizza. No, God, no, no. That's un-American. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put anyone who, said, who, who says otherwise. 
Um, um, no fruit on on any pizza. Okay. 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 Fair enough. And then like last it? one, me. I mean, yeah. look, listen. I like food. All right. So if the pizza oh, is no, there and it got pineapple, no. if it got pe- if the pizza got pineapple on it, I'm gonna just eat the pizza because I'm hungry. I'm not that's gonna. Gross. I'm not. You know, I'm not gonna discriminate. You know, it's pizza, it's food. You know, if it's free. Mm. A little disappointing. That's a little disappointing. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. I'm a, I'm a food connoisseur. Okay, you know you gotta try a <laughs> bunch of different stuff. You know. So. Uh, and last question is: We got a, a public Spotify playlist, and we're having all the guests throw on a song. What are you putting on the playlist? And it could be anything from what you were feeling in the playing days, what you listen to before matches, now on the car drive home. Oh man, what, this is that's a brutal question. I like music a lot. I I kind of range from like the Beastie Boys to the Grateful Dead. I'm all over the place. I like it a lot. But if I have one song where I can go, this when this song comes on, it, it, it's my favorite song. I, I'll go uh, going to California, Led Zeppelin. All right. I like that. Put, put me right. down for that. Yeah. I'm going to get works. made fun of for that, but that's all right. No, 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 it's it's all right. <laughs> we got, I play this, got a lot of, a lot of different songs on there. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we've had a, we've had a lot. Well, listen, we appreciate you you spending some time with us. Obviously, been awesome chatting with you, and appreciate the honesty and the candor with everything. And and uh, yeah, just hanging out for a bit. I was a little surprised that as an Irishman that you picked a, a, a Gary Lineker shirt, but um, you know, uh, <laughs> sorry. Any, you know, uh, but otherwise, it's uh, we, you know we we really appreciate you taking the time and all the best this upcoming season. Obviously, we'll be watching. And uh, yeah, uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. It was a great time. And uh, yeah, I'll see both of you soon and, and talk soon. Yes, sir. I appreciate it, Coach. Thank you for hopping on here, man. Thank you. Woo! So that is it, Mark. Another episode, man. It's been a while. Like I'm, I feel like I'm in like preseason podcast shape again. Um, but uh, it was good, to, good, good to have you. Obviously, the people don't get to see your face like I do when we when we record this. But um, yeah, man, another another good performance from you. You're just kind of a natural. No, man. You know, and, and touche. You know, it's great. Ultimately, you know, to be bouncing back and forth. You know, with my guy HP. You know, it's that 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 chemistry is is, is constantly being developed and and really taken to another level. So, yeah, great performance from you today. You know, getting getting back into the groove of things, man. It was it was great. Weirdly, I wanted to ask. I, I like I, I that could have been for me personally the longest interview that we've had because. A guy who played the game and is now a coach of the game at the highest level. Like I have him uh, on whenever I've done my list and like my five best current coaches, uh, American coaches right now. And just to hear the different dynamics of because he's just open and honest, right? We live yeah. in this world now where like you have a player on usually current or former and there's still a little bit of guard and he just didn't have that guard. He was just kind of like, let it down, boy, let you down. know, just like let down the walls, man. Yeah. He just wants to chat and be like, oh, you asked the question. I'm going to answer it, you know, and and uh just a really interesting perspective on everything from the league and just to have that again, especially at the league level, being that it's the, you know, major league soccer is, is, is this enormous thing in the U S in the soccer landscape to have somebody that's like, not just talking about the status quo was kind of, kind of, kind of refreshing. No, for sure. And, and, and as well being, you know, at the top of, of the league, you know, um, and then coming off of the supporter shield and, and whatnot, you know, so, yeah, I appreciate his his uh, what's his, his his bluntness, you know, the the transparency, you know. I think that is uh, is good to good to hear because again, I know when we when you sometimes talk to guys, guys don't really give you the full answers, you know. Um, and, and and having that ability to kind of just just you know have a free flowing conversation that was 
Yeah, breath of fresh air. I agree, man. Well, we'll leave it at that then. And um, appreciate all of you that are listening to this. Obviously, if you haven't already, make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcast. Leave a rating, leave a review. And also just let us know if there's people out there that you want us to interview or be on this show. We're obviously, like we said, going outside the scope of just current former national team men. Uh, we've obviously brought in uh, the women's side of it for national team players with Abby Dalkemper. And then we're going to continue to expand this into you know, fans and people interactions mm-hmm. with the national team, other people like exactly like Jim Curtin. So if there's people out there that you think we should be talking to, let us know. We read all of the comments. Uh, you can find all of them, all of that uh, slice it. of soccer. And of course, on behalf of myself, Mark McKenzie, Chris and uh, Matt Flores, hashtag vibe for Flores. If you remember that deep, <laughs> uh, thank you guys so much. And we will see you guys next time. Peace. Peace.